Kyle Petty joining us in the Freak Nation. He's been coming in here many, many years. Good to get him back in here. He's got uh, not only his new book that's coming out this summer, but again, once again, the the ride that's been going on damn near longer than some people have been listening to the Freak, to the Freak Nation. We've been doing this for 22 years. And Kyle Petty, there's so many things we want to talk to you about. Uh, is there ever a time when you've been putting this Kyle Petty motorcycle ride together going, damn it, is this going to be the last freaking year I have to do this thing? <laughs> Yes, the second year we ever did it. Uh, <laughs> we, were like, we were like, what in God's name are we doing? Are we doing this again? And then we did it the second. And that third year uh, was painful. And then once we got through three, it was like, we can do five. And then we did 10. And then we did 15. And then we made it to 25. And then the pandemic hit. Uh, but yeah, you know, that, that's been the only time. Honest to goodness, that's been the only time. I look forward to it. Uh, more than anything else, more than almost any event all year long. I look forward to riding this motorcycle. Is that for real? Because these things can be a pain in the butt. Again, this is your 26th year of doing this thing. When you look at the money and the, and the kids that you've helped, the families you've helped, is is that what keeps you going? Or are you just genuinely dig doing this? You know, I, I, all of the above, all, all of the above. Um, I think when you see the kids, you know, when we ride through Texas or you ride through Arkansas or you ride uh, through Washington State and, and you meet kids that have been to camp and you meet their families, it's like, man, this is amazing. There's a camp in North Carolina that touched a child and a family, uh, you know, 2,500 miles away. Uh, and then you jump on that motorcycle and you think, man, it, it's not any better than this. The wind blowing in your face, riding, not having to talk to anybody. <laughs> just doing your thing, man. You know what I mean? Just living inside your head and, and that kind of thing, you know? And and then you get off and you see more kids and you meet fans and, and you know that they're there because they want to help kids and they want to send kids to camp. So um, it just feeds off itself. You know, every part of it feeds off itself. So I, I don't, I don't believe there's uh, for me, there's not one piece that stands out more than the other. It's all of them collectively. Is this something that when you are done riding, which may still be forever from now, but whenever you are done that you want your family to continue through the years? Um, yeah, you know, here's what they're going to do. When, when, I'm, when I'm done, they're going to put my ashes in a Coke bottle and mount it to the front fender of a motorcycle, and I will be on every ride uh, in a Coca-Cola bottle. That's, that's the way it's yes! going to people. Just my ashes in a Coke bottle. That's all I care about. But, you know, I, I, I have no idea. Here's the way I look at it. We are the, the Cow Petty Charity Ride, um, and, and it's all like this. So the Cow Petty Charity Ride and Victory Junction, uh, we are the largest continuous donor to camp. From the very beginning, we were there uh, four or five years before camp ever started. We started earmarking these funds uh, from the from the Cow Petty Charity Ride to go to camp. So. Uh, I would hope that that when I'm not here, uh, that the camp is still here and still in need and that somebody will slap their name on this thing. Uh, and it can be you guys, the speed freaks, charity ride across America. I don't care. Slap a name on it. Keep doing it. Uh, but just keep the Victory Junction camp uh, as as the beneficiary. Kenny, Statman, you guys are the motorcycle riders here. You wouldn't hate that. No. <laughs> no, I wouldn't hate that at all. I, you, that the one thing that you said there, Kyle, came out so easy. I don't have to talk to anybody when I get that yes. help. Yes. That was from your heart. That's I it. Bet, I bet you never thought when you were a racer that you would end up being a, one of the chief charity <laughs> people in America and 
uh, a broadcaster. No, no. Listen, I, I tell people this, and, and and I truly, truly mean this. And and this is why this is why as I watch Jeff Jeff Gordon retire, as I as I hear these guys talk about um, retirement for for some of the drivers that are out there right now. When I look at my dad, when I look at Pearson, when I look at all the guys that I've seen make it to that point and, and as myself and retire, um, I, there's a sadness in my heart for them because, because of this, when you're a little boy or a little girl and you're out there and you dream about being a race car driver, when you dream about something, whatever, whatever that may be, um, you know, but especially a race car driver, you know what you dream about? You dream about sitting in that seat, hanging on to that steering wheel, and you dream about beating Joey Logano. You dream about beating Kyle Larson. I dreamed about beating Richard Petty and David Pearson. Kids came along and dreamed about beating Jeff Gordon and Jimmy Johnson. Um, you don't dream about doing your show. I'm sorry, I love your show, but you don't dream about this. You don't dream about doing commercials. You know, you don't dream about doing commercials. You don't dream about signing autographs. You don't dream about photo sessions. You don't dream about that. You dream about doing the deed, driving the race car racing and winning that's that's your dream and in the end that's the only piece you can't do when you retire that's the only piece you can't do you can still continue to do everything so uh you know that solitude of of being inside a helmet and being on a motorcycle uh has always been a respite a, a special place for me to be i can i can imagine that because when i used to ride that would be the one place i had to be careful because some squirrel guts can take you out when you're riding in a motorcycle, but you've got to pay attention. But it is awful nice to be quiet and nobody's talking to you. And it's almost as nice as getting lost in that guitar behind you on the wall. I'll bet yeah. you, I'll bet you, you can get lost in that real easy. Yeah. You know, and, and that's, that's why that's the two things are, you know, guitars mm -hmm. and, and, and motorcycles, because, um, you know, there is a piece in that, you know, and there, there is a piece in that. And, and I've said it before, um, you know, I, I've been very, very blessed in so many ways in my life. Um, but at the same time, there's been tragedy uh, and there's been loss. And, you know, these guitars behind me and, and those motorcycles got me through a lot of that. Uh, a lot of those, those times when you just needed to be by yourself, but you also wanted a friend. You just didn't want a friend. Uh, that said anything you didn't want them to say. And a motorcycle never says that, and a guitar never says that. They they tell you what you want to hear. So for me, uh, those are, are two of the best friends I've ever had and uh, have gotten me through some dark times and have gotten me through some happy times too. Cal Petty joining us here in the Freak Nation. And Kyle, for those that aren't able to participate in your charity ride, where should they go? How, how can they contribute to the 26th annual Cal Petty Charity Ride. Yeah, go to calpettycharityride.com and, and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, uh, and any other new social platforms that may come up between now and then. <laughs> uh, it seems like there's a different one every day. I mean, it's fascinating to me. Uh, but, you know, it's going to tell, you know, we're, we're going from Phoenix to Lake Havasu up to uh, Flagstaff. Then we're going up to the Grand Canyon and around to Bryce Canyon, spend a couple of days at Bryce Canyon. Uh, going to Monument Valley, one of my most favorite places in the whole world, back down to Sedona and then back down to Phoenix. So uh, it'll chart. You'll be able to see where we're going, where we're going to be stopping, where we're going to be having lunch. My dad will be with us. Harry Gann will be with us. Kenny Strader is going to be with us. 
Um, Rick Allen's going to be with us. You know, just a few different celebrities. So if you want to, you want to see Richard Petty, if you want to see Harry Gant, come out and get an autograph and uh, have a barbecue sandwich or and talk racing or talk whatever you want to. That will be uh, on the website and on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. It'll show you where we're at. So we want fans to come out. I would imagine if you're going through Lake Havasu that Tony Stewart, Leah Pruitt may join. You know what? Um, I, I, Tony, I, now you, Tony rode motorcycles with us one year. Um, Uh-oh. And, and, and I was like, oh, my gosh, man, Tony Stewart, he's with us. And then that's the last time I think he ever saw a motorcycle. Um, <laughs> once we rode across country, he was like, that's not for me, man. Uh, but, you know, I, I talked to Tony during the, during, at the Hall of Fame uh, at the banquet. And he said, please call me and let me know. Uh, and I'll make sure that I'm around somewhere. So hopefully he'll come out and, cool. and they'll come out and say hello or at least wave at us or throw something at us from the side of the road, whichever way, uh, as, as long as our people get to say hello, that'll be cool. Kyle Petty joining us here in the Freak Nation. Of course, the 26th annual Kyle Petty Charity Ride going off. Uh, then, of course, there's the new book from... Oh! Yeah, what? What kind, of, what kind of grunt was that, Kyle? That's the book. Yeah. There it is. There now, it is. For the first time, you're seeing a real one. And look, it's got words. It's got words in it. Fascinating. Fascinating. Nothing's crossed out. Uh, Nothing. Well, since we didn't get it, we didn't get it. We didn't get an advanced copy, so we just oh, we got to kind of. I need to send you. I need to send you guys three. I'll send, yes. I'll get them. I'll make sure. Okay. You get them. Well, there's a there's enough notes out there for that I can just dive into all kinds of questions. First of all, swerve or die. What's the biggest swerve that you've had to not die in your life, Kyle Petty? Yeah. Okay. So let me explain the title. Okay. Because okay? I struggled with the title um, as we came up because of because of Adam and because of, of, of a lot of different reasons. But I, I think what it means and and to me and it, it, this gets into NASCAR and in, in the book a little bit too is. Um, this sport and to be a part of this sport, uh, you got to be able to change directions in an instant to survive. Uh, you know, whether it be a different ride, whether it be a different sponsor, uh, whether it be another team, whatever that may be. I think the sport has been in a few places in the past 15 or 20 years where they had to make major decisions. And the car that we're racing right now is one of those swerves. The car that we're racing right now mm-hmm. that we're is a swerve for NASCAR. Uh, if they had stayed that old course, would they have died? I don't know. Uh, but chances are, if you don't keep moving, that's what happens to you. So I, I think that's what the title means more than more than anything else. And, you know, I, I laugh about it because I think my biggest swerve uh, for me and, and my and my whole career was leaving Felix. Uh, I probably should have hmm. stayed with Felix, but I felt like I needed to start a team for Adam. And that's in the book. So that that's a little bit of it. But that was a big moment for me to make that decision. You're right. There have been so many swerve moments in NASCAR, in all of motorsports, to be honest, over the last couple of decades. Do you think due to the pandemic and due to the way things kind of unraveled or or maybe raveled differently, that the biggest swerves have happened in these last couple of years in NASCAR and that they've handled them pretty damn well? Yeah, I think a lot of them have. Uh, And but I think I think the one advantage that you've had over the last couple of years um, is and, and it's not. And when I say advantage, I mean advantage for this sport is that when the world shut down, um, then this sport was in a pretty good place and had a pretty good system to continue to move forward. We were one of the first professional sports back uh, to be able to go to the racetrack, to see these cars, 
Uh, listen, when you're inside of a 36 or 3,700 pound stock car, whatever these things weigh now, uh, running <laughs> 200 miles an hour, that's social distance at its best right there. Okay. You, you are socially yep. distant. So, you know, our guys could go and run. So that, that was good. So I, I think they made decisions that helped the sport. They made decisions uh, that outside and, and other, other, other sports leagues looked at and said, maybe we should, we should try it that way. Maybe we should do something like that. So I, I think there were a lot of opportunities in the leadership in NASCAR uh, over the last, over the last five or six years has, has really headed has made have made tough decisions. Not all of them are right. Not all of them are right. Sometimes you, but you know what? If you don't make a decision, you do die. Uh, and at least they were willing to make a decision and, and put their neck out there. And I applaud them for that. Kyle Petty, you you've been coming in the Freak Nation a long time. When you started coming in here, the ponytail was a little longer, and the beard wasn't gray. But <laughs> you've seen the change. You talked about these changes and swerving. I think in some of the reviews that I read uh, earlier today, there's some indicate that you're talking around the issue of changing in NASCAR to make provisions for new people to come into the grandstands and buy tickets. Yes. Uh, the changes that you're talking about, are you seeing the positive effect of those changes? Okay. Uh, because you've been around before and after the the swerve. Yeah, I, I, definitely so. Um, you know, I, I think as, as we look at it, uh, as you look at the sport and, and, and listen, I, I felt like NASCAR, when they announced they were going to, to the L.A. Coliseum, uh, listen, it, it sucked the breath out of the southeast United States. Uh, they were like, what in God's name are these crazy people doing now in NASCAR? And I think when you look at uh, the L.A. Coliseum, you look at the event and let, that's what that was. That's what the shootout. That's what the clash. That's what it's always event. That's what the all, all star race is. It's an event. It's not necessarily the race. It's an event. But when you look at that and you look at um, the families uh, and, and, and the grandstands, you look at um, you look at the ethnic groups, uh, you look at blacks, you look at. Hispanics, you look at Asian, you look at the populations that we brought to the sport. And that's the misnomer. We didn't bring them to the sport. We took the sport to them. We took the sport to LA where they were. They weren't going to come to Southern California. Sorry, they just don't. You can call that the Hollywood market all you want to. It's Southern California. Might as well be San Diego. It's as close mm -hmm. to San Diego as it is to LA mm -hmm. So and Hollywood. So they took the sport and they went there. And you know what? Some of those people some of those people that went to the LA Coliseum did come south to, 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 to the speedway there in Fontana did show up for that race. And that's where they saw a NASCAR race that had a pretty dang good NASCAR race. I will say mm -hmm. uh, for the race they had in California. So I, I think when you look at it, we took the sport to them. If the sport won't come to you uh, or if the fans won't come to you, take your, take your, your sport to the fans. And I think that's what it's done. I think Daniel Suarez has done a tremendous amount for this sport. And, and Pitbull, being an owner on that team, has done a tremendous amount for that. Uh, Daniel's Amigos, man, it's like every week there's more and more. Coca-Cola brings more and more, more kids uh, to the racetrack. Uh, and, and that's been special. We look at Bubba Wallace. You look at what Michael Jordan and, and, and Denny, you look at that, what they've done at this level. 
Uh, and you look at the mix of drivers. I, I think you drop down and you look at the truck series, you look at the Xfinity series. Uh, I'm sorry, they're not all Southern white guys anymore. Uh, <laughs> that's what you're looking for. You're looking at the wrong sport. Uh, you it, said, it, it, I'm interrupting here on purpose because I don't want to get too far from one of the most brilliant things I've ever heard anybody say in connection with NASCAR. You said it about 10, 12 years ago when you said we don't have to worry about people not buying seats, but if they go home and they don't watch us on free TV, that's a problem. And I think NASCAR found that out and they found out that we do have to take it to the Coliseum. We do have to put ice cube in front of people. We do have to put pit bull there because that's what's going to get the change. And slowly but surely people are coming to the to the track without the confederate flag without all the white guys and lo and behold the sport has survived yeah and and that and and you in a nutshell there you said the sport is surviving so many people thought that's going to kill the sport that's going to kill the sport if we let anybody else in the sport it's going to kill the sport. It's going to run off those hardcore fans. It's going to run these people away, and they're going to run away screaming with the rebel flags and everything else, and they're not coming back. And you know what? They just put their flag in a drawer, and they still come back. They come back to see Kevin Harvick. They come back to see Kurt Busch. They come back to see Kyle Larson. They come back to see those guys. And at the same time, guess what? We've been exposed to another group of fans who on Sunday afternoons now when they're flipping that TV channel and they're flipping through all the, everything they're watching, they may stop there maybe for 30 minutes, maybe for 40 minutes. Maybe it's at the beginning. Maybe it's at the end, but they stop there. It's not a drive-by channel anymore. And uh, those stories are in the book. Those stories are in the book. I hope some of them are. Um, and, and listen, and, and, and if they ban me from and never let me come back, you'll know those stories are in the book. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Because you know me, I've got opinions on everything. Mm-hmm. That's why we love you. Yes, it's awesome. That's why I was concerned about this book, because you've never been one to toe the line, for the most part. Yeah. Uh, you, you say what you want to say, Kyle. What is something in this book with it, that you talk about that either will surprise us or to be, you know what, that's Kyle Petty, just he doesn't care where his bread's buttered. Listen, I don't think anything's going to surprise anybody. Um, <laughs> listen. If it, it I, I, here's my problem. If it's here, it comes out here, and it, and it just goes. Okay, I don't I don't keep any secrets. I don't I don't keep anything back. But yeah, you know, I, I think the thing is, <clears throat> I think the thing for me, and and when I look at this book, and and I, I went through it, um, and it, it's not. Listen, this is not Kyle Petty criticizing a, a sport that I love more than anything in this whole world. And this sport has been so good to me. Um, and, and it's not about that. It's about how I grew up in the sport. It's about losing an uncle in the sport, losing a son in the sport. Uh, it's about taking those things and turning them into positives. Um, and then it's about where I think the future of the sport is uh, and what the, what the sport should be or, or where the sport's headed. Um, you know, we're, we're sitting here in, in 2022 um, and GM and all these guys have already said, Hey, we're going to be fully electric by 35. Somebody better be thinking there's going to be some electric race cars out there. And if you, if you don't think that, if you don't think that NASCAR and these people aren't going to go in that direction, then you know what? 
don't let the don't let the door hit you in the behind when you walk your way out because I'm gonna tell you because the thing is it's coming, dude. It's it's coming, and and it's already been set out of Detroit. It's already. I mean, they're telling us the manufacturers that are putting the money in the sport are already saying these changes are coming. How do we prepare for those changes? How do we how do we prepare for the electric revolution? How do we prepare for the green revolution in a sport that is absolutely about burning rubber and burning fossil fuels and running around in circles and going absolutely nowhere. Um, <laughs> you know what I mean, I, mean I, I tell people all the time and I, I, I they, I'm, I'm like, I am very blessed. I made a living starting at a white line, running 500 miles and ending at the state at the same white line. And people laugh like y'all. And I'm like, y'all can laugh all you want to, but y'all bought tickets and watch me do it. So it doesn't make any difference. You know what I mean? I mean, that's the funny part about it. So, I think the sport has to think about its impact uh, on society and on the world, but I think it has to to fit in somehow. Fit in. We can't keep going against the grain. You you got to fit in at some point in time. So those are issues that are on the horizon for this sport. And and listen, the horizon is there. You know, ten or fifteen years in motorsports goes by in the blink of an eye. Uh, so it's already here, and and I think other forms are looking at it and. I wouldn't be surprised if we don't see trucks and Xfinity and those guys dipping their toe into it a little bit before the cup level does. I would love that. One thing yeah. I think we've learned also through social media and everybody being cooped up at home over the last couple of years is, yeah, there's a lot of negativity out there, but my God, people learn to channel it and focus on the positive stuff that can come out of it. This is going to be a journey that's going to be fun to see how NASCAR tackles. They tackled COVID better than any other sport out there in the world. But how are they going to tackle this electrifying of their actual sport? It's going to be fun to watch. And I, I wish more people would just kind of think along those lines. Yeah. You, listen, the, the, I, I, let's go back. Let's look at the sport right now. And, and we look at this car. Um, but you know, the last, uh, the last 10 races counting, if we go back to last year and that's Kyle Larson, we have to go back to Kyle Larson. Um, but if we look at this year and, and the last six races of last year, uh, every race so far has been won by somebody under 30 years of age, <laughs> under 30 years of age. If that's not a, a paradigm shift, if that's not a shift in, and who our superstars are and who our superstars are going to be in the next 10 years uh, as we as we get closer to that, uh, then I don't know that. I mean, that it's, it's that redneck comedy tour. Here's your sign. There it is. You know, what I mean, I mean, it, it, that part's changing <laughs> this car. If you don't look at this car with rack and pinion, independent rear spent suspension, sequential shifts, backup cameras so that you can see who's behind you. So they've got cameras in. <laughs> If you don't look at that and think this is not the car of today and the car of the future and that electric is not the car of the future, then I don't know. what. Here's your sign again. You know, I mean, every, all the indicators are pointing to a massive shift in motorsports in general, not just cup racing, but in motorsports in general. Um, so I, I think we have to look at that and, and, and you have to look, you know, we, we talk about you look at golf and, and I go back to when my grandfather played golf a thousand years ago. And, and when you, you tuned in on a Saturday afternoon or Sunday afternoon uh, and they played with wooden, wood, you know, persimmon-headed <laughs> drivers, you, you know what I mean? And now the technology in, in a golf club, the technology in a golf club is greater today than what it was in a stock car in 1972. You know what I mean? I mean, when you look at the, the metallurgy, when you look at the titanium and, and, the, and everything that they put into them and how they can adjust a golf club. So- I, I think the sport is changing just like any other sport, but it is this this year was a huge catch up. 
Cal Petty here in the Freak Nation, and you talk about golf, and when the Big Bertha came on the scene, there were 50 and older, 50-plus golfers age-wise that I'm never going to go. I'm never going to. I'm never going to. I can only imagine that you had conversations like that with your dad from time to time when he said, no, I'm never going to drive. They're never going to. Listen, Richard. Settle down. Have you had what's a conversation? What's one thing you said, Dad? It's going to happen, you son of a bitch. Okay, so here's here's the thing. When he said, and and here's what he said. Honestly, um, when he saw this car for the first time, and and we talked about it, he said, "This is just not NASCAR. You know, this is just not this is this is something totally different. This is not anything that I could ever imagine. This is not anything that I could ever fathom. Uh, you know, single lug nuts." Oh my gosh, that was on a 52 MG with a hammer. They were knockoffs, you know what I mean? No truck that, arms. Yeah, yeah. You know, and and you've got that. When they went to fuel injects injection, a lot of these guys lost their mind. But but you look at it, and and he was like, you know, this car doesn't even work uh, suspension wise the way those old cars work. And 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 I said, yeah, I, I hear you a thousand percent. I hear you a thousand percent. But given the opportunity to drive your final year in 1992, would you have gotten back in a 1958 Oldsmobile like you started your career in? Mm-hmm. And he was like, no, no, it, there's no way, man. It, 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 and I'm like, there's my point. My point is you sat there from 58 to 92 and you experienced the evolution. You were part of it. You drove the bus. You helped move the ball forward. Now you're just a passenger on this bus. Somebody else is doing it but you visually, you see it, but you can't fathom it because you got off the bus in 92. You got off the bus in 92 mm-hmm. and technology and seat technology and safety technology has continued to change. I'm not going back to a 64 Impala with a lap belt. Just not going to happen. not going to put my kids in that situation. No airbags, all that stuff. I'm not going to do it. You know what I mean? Um, I'm going to drive a, the safest car I can drive on the highway. And I would hope these guys in this day and time drive the most advanced race cars that they can drive to put on the best show they can on the speedways. And and Kyle, I'm curious your take on this. When COVID did hit, Bubba Wallace, the 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 racial differences, all of that came yeah. about. You've been one of those guys that have raised your hand on that for a long time. The acknowledgement of we got to get be- we got to be better as a motorsports community. Uh, where where do you see it now? How far have we come along in your point of view? With from a racial welcoming standpoint, specifically in NASCAR. So here's what I here's what I say to that. Um, I think from where we started, um, uh, just a few years ago, just a few years, just a handful of years ago, wow. um, from where the sport has tried to 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 move with their diversity platforms, diversity driver training. Uh, you know, Eric Almarola. Uh, Kyle Larson, those guys were part of that diversity program. I, I think we are, we have made great strides um, in, in the few years. The problem is we're only about 65 years behind in starting. And there's your issue. Okay, there's your issue. Um, you, we, we can pat ourselves on the back and say, Woo, good job, guys, man. Look what we've done. You know, and then you look over your shoulder and you're like, yeah, but we should have started like 65 years ago. <laughs> you know, we should have started in 64 with Wendell Scott. Uh, we should have gave him a trophy when he won the race. You know why? 
because red or yellow, black and white, I don't care. When you're the best that day, you get the trophy, you kiss the queen, and you get the check. That's the way it works. Uh, I don't care what you drive or what you're doing. And and I think you have to go back, and, and you can't go back and rewrite history. You can't go back and correct history. But you have to acknowledge it to move forward. And for so long, I don't believe we acknowledged a lot of it. Uh, with acknowledgement uh, comes responsibility. And with responsibility uh, becomes that opportunity to lead. And I think that's where we're at. We're in that stage right now of accepting some of the responsibility. Uh, and, and we've got to accept more. But we have to start to lead. What did I tell you, Freak Nation? Kyle Petty here with the Freaks, Lucas Oil Studios. Again, the book is Swerve or Die, Life at My Speed and the First Family NASCAR Racing. Kyle Petty, always greatness here in the Freak Nation.